came and said to Jesus, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, but with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. And as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Let's pray. Father, we want we want that those last verses this morning. We want not only to hear your word, but we want to understand it. We want to embrace it, or or rather for, for it to embrace us in a way this morning, that we bear fruit, that we are changed by you. Father, we can't produce that. That is the work of your spirit, and so we ask that he would be active as we listen this morning. That he would lead us to repentance. He would lead us into humility. That he would open our hearts to receive not only interesting information, but to receive your word and be transformed by it. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Not long ago, I was at a restaurant when I began to hear voices. I was, I was meeting with someone, and so of course I heard their voice, but, but I began to hear another voice as well. And it wasn't the usual voices that, that you hear from other tables around you. It was a voice very close to me. And, and after a moment of, of questioning my mental stability, um, I realized it was my phone. I, I'd been listening to a podcast, and somehow in my pocket, the audio had been restarted and was playing all the while I was trying to have this conversation with this other person. We live in a noisy world, don't we? We live in a world where we are bombarded by voices. 
And not only the, the physical sound that is all around us, but we are bombarded by messages, by ideologies. We are bombarded by voices that tell us how we should live, what we should do, what we should love, what we should want, what we should give our lives to. And my goal, my desire for our time in the parables of Jesus this summer is that in all of that noise, we would be able to turn up the voice of Jesus. Is that in our noisy world where we are bombarded by all of these messages, all of these calls to significance and meaning, that we would hear the voice of Jesus invite us to find significance and meaning in Him and in what He has done. Now, what does that have to do with the parables? Well, in Matthew chapter 13, we have a parable about parables. Okay, this is a parable Jesus here explains why he uses parables, why he teaches using these stories and images. And maybe you notice throughout this text the repetition of the theme of listening. Over and over again, the little word for hear is used throughout this text. Jesus, with parables, wants to work on our ears. Wants to teach us to listen to Him. So how do we do that? How do we hear Jesus in a noisy world? I, I want to bring that question to this text. And I want us to consider not only... I want us to consider what Jesus says... And I want to consider how he says it. So I want to consider his message and his rhetoric. So how do we hear Jesus? First of all, what does Jesus say? What is his message? Well, this little agricultural story in Matthew chapter 13 is a story about Jesus' message. The seed, right? He explains in verse 19, the seed is the word of the kingdom. It is the message of the kingdom. Now, what does that mean? Well, whenever you hear kingdom, you need to hear Jesus teaching us how to pray. Find this in Matthew 6 and some other places. And Jesus teaches us to pray to our Father, asking, your kingdom come. What does that mean? What does kingdom mean? Next line. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, the kingdom of God is the rule of God reclaiming His creation. It is heaven's throne coming to earth. And the word of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom that Jesus brings is that the kingdom comes in Him. That goal of heaven coming to earth happens in Jesus, in His ministry, His life, death, and resurrection, all wrapped in one package, is the invasion of heaven's agenda. Now, why should we want that? Why is that a good thing? Well, because the seed, the message, in the right soil, produces fruit, right? Jesus is not being innovative with this image. The agricultural image, the, the image of fruitfulness or a plentiful harvest, is used throughout the Old Testament 
to describe the result of God's rule. If God's kingdom comes, it produces life. God's rule produces fruit. So, not surprising, right, that when humanity lived with God before sin, where did they live? In a fruitful garden, right? And it's interesting, the prophet Isaiah picks up that imagery. And in Isaiah 6, it, actually, interestingly, it's, it's the chapter that Jesus quotes here. Jesus quotes from Isaiah 6 in verses 14 and 15 here. And in that chapter, God comes to Isaiah and he says, Isaiah, you're my prophet. You're going to go with my message. You're going to speak about my rule and how people should respond to it. And, and Isaiah, I've got bad news for you. You're going to speak the message and nobody's going to listen. You're going to be rejected. And, and I will judge my people because they reject your message. And my judgment will be like a forest fire. That's the image of that chapter. It will be like a forest fire that burns down the forest of God's people. And it will burn down the forest of God's people until there, there is one stump left. And right at the end of Isaiah 6, he says that stump is the holy seed. What's going on with that? Well, Isaiah picks up the theme in chapter 11, and he says the stump, the holy seed, is the stump of Jesse. So Jesse, father of King David, right? The promised kingship of Israel, this line of rulers who were supposed to bring God's kingdom, who were supposed to lead God's people towards God and His purposes. He says that stump, it's, it's them. It's the line of David. It's the Holy Seed. And, and out of that stump, after the whole forest has been burnt down, a green shoot will come out of the stump. And it will begin to grow. And it will grow into a massive tree. And what does that tree do? It produces fruit. What Jesus is saying here what he says throughout his ministry and what the New Testament communicates about him, Jesus is saying, that's me. I'm the holy seed. I am the descendant of David. I am the one who will, after God's judgment, cause God's people, and not only God's people, but all the world, to bring forth fruit. I will produce life. So the message about me is a seed. It is a seed. The message about Jesus takes the wasteland, the desolate wilderness of sin and rebellion against God and causes it to bloom. The message about Jesus takes the wasteland of our hearts, of human culture and society, and it invades it. But it invades it with life. With fruit. And that's why we should want his message. That's why we should long for the word of the kingdom, what we call the gospel. Because that message is not only true, but it is powerful. It is a message that not only has accurate content, but it possesses an explosive energy that brings life out of death that produces life, and not just life in terms of survival, but life 
like fruitfulness. Life, full, flourishing human life as it should be. That's Jesus' work and the message about Him produces that in us and that's why we should long for that message. There's a famous poem by the German poet Rilke. Uh, It's called The Archaic Torso of Apollo. A really intimidating, grandiose name. But uh, he wrote the poem in response to seeing um, the ancient torso of Apollo. Uh, This old uh, sculpture, most of it has worn away other than the torso part. And and this had a profound impact on him. And he wrote this poem in response to this work of art. And the last line of the poem is, You must change your life. For him, encountering that work of art demanded of him transformation, change. The parables of Jesus are works of art with a better message. They are works of art that do not demand that we change our life. They are works of art that bear the message of what God has done through Jesus to change our lives. Of what God has done through Jesus to take death and turn it into life. To take fruitlessness and make it abundant fruitfulness. To take our sin and transform it into righteousness. That is the power of of the gospel. That is the power of the word of the kingdom. Do you come this morning with that expectation? Do you come this morning with that longing? You see, what we are doing here this morning is not a hobby. This is not our weekly therapeutic pick-me-up. We, this morning, are gathering around the word of the kingdom, the seed, the gospel. And that message has an explosive power to transform. Do we expect that? Do we long for that? We need that not only on Sunday morning, but we need that throughout the week to encounter the message of what Jesus has done in a way that profoundly transforms our lives. Do you expect that? Do you long for that? Now, how does that happen? How does that kind of transformation occur in our lives? Well, we need to consider not only what Jesus says, but how he says it, and that will help us to begin to answer the question of how that change Happens. So, not only Jesus' message, but his rhetoric, the form of his teaching. And here's where we need to talk about why Jesus uses parables. Why does he use these stories and images as a part of his communication? Parables are not sermon illustrations. Okay? Jesus does not use parables to clarify his point. So, I just talked about Rilke's poem in an effort to clarify my point. Okay, That's not 
parables. That's not what Jesus is doing with parables. Jesus does not use parables to clarify his point. Because if he were doing that, they're really bad. They're really bad sermon illustrations. They're really ineffective. Think about what Jesus does here. Okay, he stands up. The crowd is gathered on the beach. He's on the boat. It's sermon time. And what does he do? He says, okay, guy goes out, spreads some seed. Some doesn't produce fruit. Some does. Peace be with you. You know? That's where he stops. Amen. It's over. Sermon over. It's, it is gloriously short, uh, but it does not clarify. It confuses. Right? It confuses. Why does Jesus do this? This is what the disciples ask him. They come and say, Jesus, why are you using parables? Why are you, why are you talking like this? Why are you confusing people? And as I've already mentioned, Jesus answers their question by taking them to Isaiah. He takes them to Isaiah and he says, I'm doing this. I, in parables, I am talking like a prophet. And when prophets talk, they draw lines. They draw a line between those who hear and those who understand. Those who see and those who truly perceive. And that line ultimately is this. It is a line of response. Prophets, when they talk, they draw a line between those who, hearing the message, turn away from God and those who, hearing the message, turn towards God. Parables don't clarify. They provoke. They expose. They challenge and confront us with the question, how will you respond to Jesus? If you pay attention in the Gospels, there are two basic responses to his parables, confusion and anger. They are provocative. And they ask, how will you respond to Jesus? One of my favorite teachers would, when a, when a student would raise his hand, his or her hand, and say, I don't understand what you just said, the teacher would say, good, because confusion is the first step to education. That, in a lot of ways, is what Jesus is doing with the parables. He is disturbing. To raise the question, how will you respond? Will you move away from him, or will you move towards him? The parables invite a step. Will you step towards not only education, but towards the educator? Think about the flow of this text. To whom does Jesus speak the parable? The crowds, right? The great crowd. And in this crowd would have been those who were curious. It would have been those who were looking for miracles. And it would have been those who were actively opposing Jesus, his enemies. He speaks the parable to them. To whom does he explain the parable? It's his disciples, right? He says, the secret, the message of the kingdom has been given to you, this smaller group. Now, what's the difference between the great crowds and the disciples? Verse 10. The disciples come and ask. The parables provoke them to move towards Jesus. They trust him enough. They value him enough to bring their confusion to him. 
That's the movement of a productive soil. That's the movement of the heart that the seed, the message of the kingdom produces fruit from. Now, contrast that with the unproductive soils. Why don't those soils produce fruit? It's a depth issue, right? The seed does not go deep enough. And why does the seed not go deep enough? Because something else is more trustworthy, is more attractive. Whether it's just direct opposition to I don't want to believe that, or it's the distraction of pain, or it is the distraction of wealth and pleasure, something is more attractive, something goes deeper than the message of the kingdom. Change happens, transformation happens, when we trust the messenger enough for his message to become the deepest source of significance and meaning for us. Change happens when we trust Jesus enough for the gospel to ultimately define who we are and what we do. Change happens when we in trust, in faith, open our lives, our hearts, to His message and take the risk of building our lives around that. Let me see if I can illustrate this with a a personal experience. My son, JJ, my oldest son, who's eight now, when he was a toddler, uh, he was not what you would call an independent player. Uh, He would not go into his room and just play nicely with his toys. He always needed someone with him. He always wanted someone to play with him. And I remember one day, it was a day off for me, and it was a day off after a particularly difficult week, and I wanted nothing more than to escape. And escape into a book or a movie or something like that. But Jess needed, my wife needed to go uh, to an appointment, and so it was me and JJ. And I did everything I could to get him to play by himself, and he was having none of it. I was willing to let him watch three hours of television, but he did not want that. The only thing he wanted was me on the floor with him playing trucks. And as it went along, I got more and more frustrated and angry with him. And then I got frustrated and angry with myself, and I was full of guilt. This is my son. How can I not love him? Why do I not want to spend time with him? And I was just in that turmoil of anger and guilt. You know that one, right? And then I, re- I reflected on a passage that I had been studying for, for a sermon. Uh, it's in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. And it talks about Jesus, how he was, even though he was equal with God, even though he was fully God, with all the prestige of a heavenly throne, he set that aside. And he humbled himself. And he came down. And he became a servant. And he became obedient. And he became obedient even to the death of the cross. And I thought, why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did he do that? He did it because of my selfishness. He died to forgive me of my selfishness. And he died to free me from my selfishness. And in that moment, the seed, the message of the kingdom, produced fruit in my life. 
In that moment, the gospel came into contact with my struggle with guilt and my struggle with anger. And for a moment, I was able to set aside my personal agenda and get on the floor and serve my son. Now, that's a dangerous story because I don't want you to hear that and be like, whoa, holy man, look how holy Jonathan is, because that does not happen nearly enough in my life. But, but I think it illustrates the pattern of what the parables call us to. They provoke us to reflect to meditate on the message of the community, of, of the community, of the kingdom, so that it sinks deeply into our hearts. And it begins to change the way that we see ourselves. That we see ourselves as forgiven sons and daughters of the king. And it begins to change the way that we see others. We begin to see opportunities to look like Jesus, to reflect Jesus in the way that we respond the way that we care for, the way that we serve others. This is the way to transformation. It is a deep reflection on the gospel. It begins to produce a perspective change that will then change our actions, change the way that we relate to one another. And the parables do that work. They provoke and they expose and they invite us into that meditation on the message of the kingdom that can transform our lives. They help us to listen to Jesus. And it is not only the parables that Jesus spoke that help us to do that, but ultimately it is the parable that He lived. You see, Jesus was the seed he not only spoke the message of the kingdom, He not only spoke the Word, He was the Word. He was the message in flesh, and as the seed, He entered the ground and He died so that He could produce fruit, so that He could produce life for us. So knowing that, will you listen to Him? Let's pray.